I don't know how many people are in some of the courses that are coming out, hundreds. So you've all come out with the same skill. Really what's going to differentiate you is your, the relationships that you've got. Who do you know? How are they going to help you? Do you have a good relationship with them that, that you can ask them for the help? And I think knowing who you are and how you want to be and being able to express that in a way that's super clear. So, you know, if you, if you want to pride yourself on being enthusiastic, every interaction needs to be that. You know, because at some stage you're going to get the question, why do I hire you over everybody else? And that's what they're trying to do. They've got four other people who can do exactly the same job like they can. So I think that that would be my advice is yeah, meet people, get to know them properly, make sure you help them build a relationship with them, but know who you are and how you're going to express who you are because the skill side, anyone can have, anyone can have the skills really. It's the difference is going to be how you engage with people and how they feel when, when you leave the room. G'day guys, today's guest is Guy Redhouse, the Product Marketing Manager at General Travel Group. If you haven't heard of General Travel Group, these guys look after the AFL event office, Grand Prix Travel and the Cricket Australia Travel Office, which is why you'll hear us refer to Cato a lot during this episode. Simply put, Guy has crafted a career combining sport and travel to help fans experience events all around the world. Guy first started out at SCA Travel back in the day before moving on to Victorian Racing Club. And then interestingly, from here, he learned how to build websites, which led to his next job at Cricket Australia, where he spent nine years in ticketing and travel before later moving to leading teams for three years. If you love sport and you love traveling the world, then this episode will open your eyes to combine both. Enjoy. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me is the illustrious Ruben Williams. We had two mates who met at Cricket Australia back in the day and each week we learn how people made it in the sports industry. We tease out their career decisions, their work habits, their skills and everything that they do that makes them great. Also that you can learn how to get in, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. A bit jittery today in the intro, Rubes. How are you, my friend? G'day, Ryan. It's good to be back. Thank you. Last week, I was out for the count with some of the most horrific <laughs> food poisoning I've ever experienced in my life. And it was actually really good to chat with Guy this week because as someone who's traveled the world a lot, he was someone who could empathize with how bad food poisoning when you're in Morocco and yep. uh, have limited access to resources can be. So... I missed last week, but I'm very happy to be back, feeling a lot better this week. Thank you. How are you going? I'm going well. I'm going well. Uh, I was going to say, you know we're out for the count when only one of us joins the podcast. And I must say, last week you were a very, very sick man. Uh, <laughs> and I know when you're sick because you you like are rarely you know out for the count and I'm, I can't do anything, that type of thing. So I'm glad to hear you're back in full health. Uh, but no, everything, everything go, going well over here. It's good to be back uh, with another pod and uh, guys, an absolute ripper. So I'm excited for this episode. Mm, absolutely. And you'll, you'll hear quickly when we start talking, but uh, Guy was one of my managers back in the day. So it's, uh, it's always interesting we get to chat to someone who's managed you in the past, no matter how 
short of a period that time was. So um, great to have uh, to have Guy back on. But um, uh, yeah, he's another ripper. We've gone back to the CA well. There's a lot of good people that have come out of Cricket Australia who we've crossed paths with. So uh, another interesting person who's now made their way in a different area of the sports industry. Absolutely. We love going back to the CA well. Uh, we do call it that. It's not like we go back too often, but I think Guy is a ripper and we absolutely love talking to previous managers. Uh, so that's always good. So great episode coming up. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, follow us on LinkedIn. And if you want to connect with us and over 600 others working in the sports industry, uh, join our waitlist to join the sports great community. Rude, speaking of our community, there's plenty happening at the moment, but there's one special call out we want to make, which is super exciting for us. Yeah, the community is absolutely going off at the moment. Some of the speed networking night attendances have been through the roof, which we absolutely love. People connecting across the world on those sessions. But a special shout out to one of our regular attendees, which is Yuri Bilcic, who is our one of our favorites over in Perth, who's been a member for quite a while. He's just got a job as a data capturer in WA for Champion Data, which is thoroughly deserved. He's one of the best stats people you will ever come across, knows every single number from the NBA, AFL, you name it, back to front from the last 20 years at the very least. Uh, I'm sure he can go a long way further back before he was even born and noticing every single number as well. So well done to you, Yuri. It's been a, a long grind and we've had the pleasure of been a part of it and watching along the way so to see yuri get this incredible job and start working for an amazing company like champion data is uh is very rewarding for us but um uh yuri you should be extremely proud of yourself for uh landing that dream job um as always we've got plenty of events coming up there's speed networking events happening fortnightly there are job fairs where you can meet the organizations but in exciting news we have just announced every single meetup date to the end of 2024. So if you're wondering when you can get along and meet some people in sport in person, you've got every single date there at your disposal for the next 13, 14 months at, at least. So if you're in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, then all the dates are there for you. You can head to the website to check out every single date. But uh it is a packed calendar for those in Australia who want to get around the country and meet people in sport. So uh, head, head to the website, check out that, or head to social media as well. You'll see it pinned to our Instagram, um, uh, Instagram profile there. But if you want to stay up to date with absolutely everything that's going on at SportsGrad, subscribe to our newsletter, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the events coming up, uh, get some tips and tricks on how people are breaking into the industry and uh, get motivated for your career. So head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to join. Amazing. Yeah, super exciting with those uh, those meetups in the calendar. But I also just want to give a personal shout out to Yuri as well. Uh, one of the better stories of just patience and resilience, someone who's just working their ass off week, on, week in, week out, um, and someone who just really deserves a role in the industry. He's had to wait a little while. I don't think he'll be shy in saying he's wanted a role like this for a while. And um, he's just done all the right things and put himself out there. And, um, yeah, it makes me absolutely super proud as Punch, knowing him personally and and having caught up with him a few times and I've been over in Perth. So, Yuri, you're an absolute superstar and uh, congrats, mate. Um, but in the meantime, 
For those listening, grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Guy Redhouse. There's a reason Deakin's sports management course attracts the greatest talent the nation has to offer. Because when you join the longest running sports management course in Australia, you'll gain access to unique opportunities with leading clubs and organisations. Their partnerships with the Geelong Footy Club, Deakin Melbourne Boomers and Nepal Victoria and multiple elite industry partners will open the door to exciting placement experiences that connect you with the best athletes, managers and administrators in sport. Help shape the future of the sports industry, secure your part in the golden decade of sport. Guy, welcome to the Sports Grab podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Guy, it's a pleasure to have you on here. One, one of the uh, unknown facts about my career that I don't share or talk too much about is the fact that I worked in hospitality for a very brief period of time and that was because of you. Yes. Now, the reason why I got into that was because I took a little bit of a break from Cricket Australia to go travelling, but an opportunity came up to join the hospitality team as a way to get back into cricket and that was because of the opportunity you were able to provide. So my career is in a way indebted to the opportunity that you opened (laughs) up to me. So to have this chat with you is a, a nice full circle for me. So welcome. Thank you, thank you. I think it was maybe a couple of weeks of the most boring data entry we could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I came over a lot and said, I'm really sorry, I hope you're okay. <laughs> like, that was usually what we were, and you were like, don't talk to me, I'm doing data. <laughs> a couple of weeks went, so. Big spreadsheet guy. It was a bit of a grind, but it, it did teach me a few things about attention to detail and CRMs and all that sort of stuff. So it was, it was useful and, and now we're drawing a bit of that stuff now. So. Um, Good. It was de- genuinely valuable learning. Good, because at the time I was really worried. <laughs> I was like, this, this is not what people should be doing for work. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest, I was just happy to have a job again. Like I thought I was fairly lucky to, to go away and come back, but to, to have that open up um, was very good. Yeah. Does that like those sort of opportunities, do they come around too often or is it just like if, if something needs to be done, you just grab the nearest person? Yeah, look, it's right place, right time, you know, like projects – projects all the time something comes up that you just didn't think of or you know no one had a clue that part of the build of a whole program was going to be that the database needed to be filled you know like and yeah so there's always something there's always i reckon if you walked around most of the sports like the national sports organizations particularly but even probably the states as well there's there's probably a project sitting there and it might be a week or it might be a month but Nobody wants to do it, which is a little bit like the job that you were doing. Um, and, and, it, it, and you know that it's a one-off, you know, like it's not something that's going to need someone for, for six months or a year or more. So I think those, those opportunities probably do exist more than people realise. Yeah. Absolutely. It's good to know where, uh, where Rube's got his, his data skills and Excel skills and CRM skills from. So thank you, Guy, for the, for the health of SportsGrab because uh, it's keeping us alive. Excellent. Very good. Um, <laughs> Um, you're obviously a big listener of the show, so you'd know how this goes. We, we do a, uh, a little bit of a quick fire questions before we get cracking into the, uh, the body of the episode. So, um, I'll start off, um, and keen to know what, what was your first ever job? Um, so my first ever job was at a car wash and it was a car wash that a mate and I created when we were 13 ish years old. Uh, we went to every local petrol station and we said, do you want people to wash your cars in the, you know, in the bays, like in the, 
on your lot, basically. Um, and we got a lot of no's. Uh, and eventually your guy said, yeah, no worries. Do it. That's great. Like maybe it brings a couple of extra cars in for petrol. Uh, and yeah, we smashed it really. Like we had some, there were times when the customers were washing their own cars because we were just so busy. Um, but we, yeah, we made a fortune. And funnily enough, if anyone lives in Melbourne and they drive out to Eltham, it's the, the, the petrol station that we worked at doesn't exist anymore, but it is now like this massive car wash. It's called Water Tunnel and it's huge. And I was convinced that as a 13 year old, I saw the opportunity. Yeah, yeah we, we smashed it. And they charge a lot more. They charge like 45 bucks a car or something. We were $4.50, so yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very entrepreneurial. I love that story. Uh, and what did you study at university? Uh, so I started a Bachelor of Commerce. I majored in management and marketing, and I minored in business law and HR. I was at UWA over in Perth. Shout out to our friends in Perth. Yeah. Uh, your favorite sporting moment of all time? Uh, well, there's, yeah, so <clears throat> I'm a bit of a baseball, uh, not nuffy, but I do like my baseball. And uh, I go for the Washington Nationals, who used to be the Montreal Expos. So I lived in Montreal for a little while. And I was there while the team was dying. It's probably the best way to describe it. And you used to pay two Canadian dollars and you could go to this 80,000 seat stadium oh. and there'd be a thousand people there. Like it was just, it was horrible. Um, but you get the best seat in the house because like, you know, the, the people who were attending, <laughs> they didn't care anymore. Like no one cared. So you pay $2 and sit in thousands of dollars worth of seats and yeah. they became the Washington Nationals and they were terrible for a very long time. And in 2019, they won the World Series, and that was great. But then, that was like, that's from afar. So they've, you know, probably in person. Uh, I was at the MCG. Shows how old I am, but I was at the MCG when Simon O'Donnell came back to play ODIs for Australia after he'd had cancer, and that was. I just remember, yeah, 90,000 people standing and cheering, and it was five or ten minutes. Like it was, it was just a crazy, crazy moments. Look, some of those other ODIs, you know, against the West Indies and. In the in the nineties, when it was Curly Ambrose and those guys, and just the the noise of the MCG when it's that full is yeah, it's always a special place. Yeah, <clears throat> amazing. And what is uh, one book or podcast you recommend that's helped you at work? I, I had read Moneyball before the movie came out, and um, it is it's a funny it's a it's funny how baseball's gone that way, and it's it's funny how other sports haven't, and I think some of them are trying. But you know, yeah, it's it, some of them will get there, and yeah, I think Ruben. Even when we were at cricket, there was a bit of. I was always like, we need to, yeah, you need to look at different stats and need to understand. A batting average means nothing, you know. Like if it's yeah. if it's a if it's a beautiful bat bat is if it's a road and you can score a hundred, what's is it the same hundred as Edgbaston in 2015 when Stuart Broad was on fire? It's it's a very different stat. Mm. So mm. mm. yeah. That, that's just shocked my memory. Did you did you tell me about a guy in New York who was so good with stats and betting that he came out with this algorithm that eventually got him cancelled from all the betting sites because he was betting on every single pitch? Actually, I think that was somebody's brother from Cricket Australia. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you want to get into names because I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's allowed to bet anymore anywhere. But um, yeah, because yeah, he'd done this crazy spreadsheet and. Um, yeah, it was making too much money on pitch by pitch betting. Yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, mm. that's just come back to me in our in our uh, in our CRM chats. <laughs> we need to find who this is. Yeah, maybe offline. <laughs> maybe that's an offline conversation about yeah. who the brother was. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll put this in the we'll put this in the uncut version. Yeah, good, mm. good. 
Nice. Um, if you had 30 minutes to pick anyone's brain, who would that be? Uh, again, I'll show my age and I'll say Tom York, who's uh, the lead singer of Radiohead. I'm not a super creative person and I find Radiohead's music, particularly obviously the newer stuff, particularly creative. Um, so like whether it's him or, or someone else who's of that, you know, sort of just a creative who can uh, challenge me and open, open up, you know, my mind to other ways of thinking. I'm a, I'm a very black and white sort of, you know, the data says this, right? It's a bit, you know, Moneyball's a good example, but the data says this and therefore we should do that. Whereas those sort of people go the complete opposite, to, complete opposite way. So uh, that'd be a great chat. <clears throat> Amazing. Awesome. Well, let's dive into your career now, Garth. Uh, sorry, Guy. <laughs> my, my bad. I've still got Garth from uh, Switzerland stuck in my head. Yeah. You're in Garth Town <laughs> territory, right? Yeah, I know. It's all these Jesus. <laughs> and maybe it's the sickness that's still kind of living with me. I'm a bit yeah. rusty. Apologies, Guy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's uh let's dive into the uh the start of your career you obviously started your career at uh the vrc can you tell us about the uh, the sequence of things you did in the lead up to that first job in sport yeah sure so yeah my first yeah my first job at sport was at the vrc i was the website product manager or something i can't remember the exact title um but to get there yeah so i started once i'd finished university i went traveling for a while i was away for about a year and a half um, and I came back and I was like, oh, I want to help people do that, right? Like it's such a, you know, it's such a fun thing to be doing. I mean, just look at your background, Ruben. I mean, maybe your last 24 hours haven't been too much fun, but, um, you know, most of the time it's, it's so good. Um, and I was like, I want to help people do that. Like have the same experiences as I, as I'd had and seen other people having. So, uh, so I got back and I, I booked through STA travel, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was student based travel agent. <clears throat> it, yeah, it died during COVID. I used to love STI. There you go. Well, it died during COVID. That was great. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a great brand. I and booked a few tours for them too. It was very sad to see them go. There you Not go. awesome brand. Yeah. I can't believe that died. Yeah, it was a really good brand. And and it was super fun, right? Because everyone who was coming in, or actually it was funny, There's two. there was two types of traveler. You had the backpacker who was at uni, wanted to just go traveling. And then you had the professor who was going to a conference. So it was a really fascinating um, divide of customers. And, uh, yeah, so I started there and I basically, they, they were great. They trained me up. Like I had no idea about how to book a flight at the time. You know, there's, the airlines have this language that you have to speak, not, not so much anymore because it's all web-based, but it used to just be this really weird database that you had to speak a language, effectively coding. Um, so SA were great. They, they taught me heaps. And I worked as a just a travel agent for... I don't know, a year and a half, two years, saved up more cash. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to, sick of sending people to Europe. I'm going to go back. Um, <clears throat> and I also got, at that stage, a two-year working visa for Canada. So I was like, great, I'm going to go to Europe for a bit, enjoy some summer. I'm going to go to Canada, do two years there, like, good to go. So, yeah, started as a travel agent, sitting behind a desk, helping people explore the world. Uh and look, it's a sales job at the end of the day, like no matter how romantic you can try and make it sound, but you know, you've got targets and <clears throat> you're trying to sell airlines that the company makes a bit more money on and sell tours because tours make good money and insurance and all the other stuff that comes with it. So yeah, you learn a lot about what people want and understanding that if you listen to what people want, selling to them is not very hard. Um, you know, it's, it's not worth, someone walks in and says, I want to fly to London. And you say, yeah, but you should really go to Amsterdam. Um, 
they're not going to buy from you. You know, you haven't heard them. You haven't solved their problem. So that was awesome. It was a great start. Um, came back after my year and a half traveling, two years traveling again. Uh, and I was back to Melbourne and I started off in a branch that they were really good. They were like, just come straight back. You know, you, you know, our systems, you know, how everything works. They were looking for people. So it was super simple to get back into it. But I always sort of was attracted to the airfare side of thing. Again, it's a bit of a data, the data nerd in me, maybe. <clears throat> uh, but that, I, yeah, it's just spoke to the guys at head office. They were like, look, we've got a job doing the airfare side of what we do. So I moved into that. It was good fun for a year, year and a half, a lot of database work, but a lot of just understanding again that, you know, checking out competitors, what do they price stuff at, understanding airfares, all that sort of fun stuff. Uh, and then, again, it shows you how long ago this was, but STA Travel was trying to build a website because <laughs> there was no such thing as an online booking engine or a place that you could book your airfares. <clears throat> and the website was originally just like five pages and it was like find the nearest branch, you know, a little bit about each country, but there was nothing there. Like you couldn't book anything. You couldn't, you couldn't do much. So <clears throat> globally, SCA Travel was trying to build a, a booking engine that could work for every country, US, Canada, South Africa, New Zealand, everybody. Great project. Uh, it never, <laughs> never came to fruition, but it was a great project to work on for a while. But the agency that we were using, <clears throat> the web agency that we were using, also was the web agency for the VRC. And I became, you know, you get to know the account managers and you get to know the those sort of people. And eventually, just in a conversation, it might have just been in a social conversation, uh, the owner of the agency said to me, oh, you know, the VRC is looking for a website manager if you're looking for a change. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that'd be good. It's in sport. That'd be cool. Like, you know, I could do that. <clears throat> and it's a bit of website, not much travel. And I was, was I would, had always liked the travel side, but I was like, no, it's in sport. So I'll give it a crack. Like, and he was like, look, I recommend you, but you know, I can't give you the job, but I can say that, you know, you're running the side from STA. It's basically the same job for the VRC. <clears throat> Away you go. And yeah, I did three carnivals. Um, three Melbourne Cup carnivals, which is how you judge your time at racing, um, which was awesome. Like, it was an amazing project to work on. They had 14 different websites, I think, when I started. Every every department basically was like, they you know had their own site. So there was a members area, an events area, Melbourne Cup area, racing had, like, it was all over the shop. And it worked, but yeah, managed to pull it all together. And uh, it was really, yeah, it was good fun. Like, I'm not a huge racing person. Like, I can pretty much say that it would be at the lower end of my preferred sports. But massive event in Melbourne, so much fun to be at. Um, and it gave me a real taste for <clears throat> the event cycle, like the, you know, the way events work, like the ups and downs. You know, come the second week of November, it's pretty quiet at the VRC um, after that first week. And then you, know, you ramp up because it's Autumn Carnival and then you a bit of a dip again, but you're building for the other one. And... Uh, I think understanding that rhythm was, yeah, it's something I, I quite enjoy. Like I like that idea of get in, do something, smash it out, and then you can have a breather, you know, plan or sort of review and then plan plan back. And yeah, it was great. Just, just quickly, what, what was your title jumping into this role? And had you ever built a website before? Because I don't recall that in your university studies. <laughs> yeah. no, well, I hadn't done it, but like I said, because I've 
the way I'd done it at STA Travel, it was like the website guy was leaving and they'd built this little department of like, because the, this project was going to happen. Um, and I said, well, I'll come across as like the airfares expert. You know what I mean? Like I know all the airfare stuff for in branch. So use me for the airfare stuff on the website. So I started as, it would have been online airfares manager or something like that. Um, and then just, just through tenure and understanding what was going on, I became online website manager or online product manager, or I can't remember what it was. And then at the VRC, it was, yeah, online product manager. Yeah. And what sort of platforms were you playing around with back then? Uh, oh, God, don't ask. I don't know. BusyWig and just whatever the old school, whatever, however we used to do it back in the day. There was a lot of HTML. God, I, like, I still remember my, what is it? Brackets slash Bs and whatever for bold and breaks and, yeah, all that fun stuff. But I was... I was lucky. I always had good tech around me, like the tech team more around me. So I was more the, we wanted to look like this. We wanted to do that. You know, it needs to be able to do this sort of stuff. So it was a bit like business analysts crossed with marketing, crossed with whatever. And then the tech guys would go away. But yeah, I mean, someone goes on leave for four weeks and someone else has to step up and <laughs> just learn a bit of coding and keep it going. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. I mean, great skill to know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people would love to know how to code. So, uh, invalid experience. Um, you mentioned the, the cycle of racing and that probably helped you when you got to cricket because it, you know, it is kind of the same, you know, you just kind of, I guess, waiting for the summer to come around and everyone's sort of going towards the summer and then all of a sudden you have that dip again, but, um, definitely keen to touch on your time at CA. I mean, that's obviously how we've, uh, we've come to know each other obviously. And, um, your experience specifically was sort of with Cato and, um, you know, the travel agency and definitely keen to hear about some of those experiences and, um, you know, what, what, what did you get up to? What, why are you with that team? So I've always thought about Cato would be an amazing sort of department to work for. Yeah, it was really good. I, um, it was quite funny cause when I went for a job at cricket, I went for a digital job, um, that, uh, someone called Chris Derrick eventually got, um, but I was in the interview and I reckon it got halfway through and uh, the manager said, I don't think you would do this. Like, I don't think you're right for this job. It wasn't quite the same as what I'd been doing. It was a lot more, I don't know, it was just a bit more commercially digital, like if that makes any sense. It was it was more in how do we commercialise this rather than the marketing and the product side. But she said, just wait here. And this other guy came down and it was like, it was a whole new interview. And I was like... <laughs> Did you even know what, what, what we're doing here? Like, um, anyway, but so the, the job that they were looking for was, yeah, partly to establish the travel operation, so Cricket Australia Travel Office, um, from the Cricket Australia end. And uh, and the other side was ticketing. So my the skills that I had, so and how, do you, how do you make money out of tickets? You know, like how do, we, how do we price stuff in the right way to get the right people to come to the grounds? Um, and at the same time, work with the travel operator because, you know, at the end of the day, they're selling a ticket just with travel stuff wrapped around it. So, um, yeah, it was a great interview. Worked out, worked out really well. Um, so I started doing that. So, yeah, so the Cricket Show Travel Office hadn't run a tour. It had done nothing at that stage. Um, there had been some really big Ashes series that had obviously sparked that idea of, you know, is there a way that we can um, – I suppose really look after the customer experience a bit better when you're when you're in the hands of other travel operators that aren't you. It doesn't matter 
whether that's a travel operator or any other businesses, any other supplier, um, you know, you're a bit in their hands and, and the customers are in someone else's hands. So that was that was the genesis of Cato. Um, and it was great. It was a great start. Um, Cricket had, uh, Cricket Australia at that stage had just consolidated all ticketing as well. So it used to be that when you went to the MCG uh, for an international game, Cricket Victoria actually sort of ran that ticketing operation. And they so it was sort of... As I arrived, it was all coming together. Um, so that was that was a good start. And then after a little while, things changed again. And I took some hospitality and some groups. So I sort of, at the end of the day, had by the end of my tenure at cricket, I'd covered every way that people came to the cricket, whether it was from a ticket, from a group, from hospitality, or via via travel. And uh, yeah, I think I moved departments a couple of times because that's just what happens, you know, over ten years. Uh, and Sometimes you've got a commercial focus. For those who are wondering what like a, a group booking is, it's things like the the Richies or the the Barmy yeah. Army who want to come together. They they book through Correct. you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Indian fans, you know, some of the Indian fan groups they'll sell twenty thousand tickets to a game. Like, but yeah, so organising all that sort of fun stuff. And some of them are really well known. Some of them are really well known within the city. So the Richies are probably the biggest from an Australian perspective at, at Australian cricket. But you know, there are groups in Brisbane who go every year they dress up differently, right? So sometimes it's Star Wars theme, sometimes it's whatever. Um, and within Brisbane, they're really well known. You get cricket clubs who can take 50 to 100 people, you know, to a to a game. Um, but they all need slightly different treatment and they all need, you know, they want to sit somewhere special or they've got to work out. Someone doesn't want to take the risk on the ticket, you know, like one poor person sitting there going, I want to buy 100 tickets. <laughs> like, do you have the cash yet? <laughs> like, you, has everyone paid you? <laughs> you know? Uh, funny conversations that you can have with people who don't think about it. Like, oh, can't I just have it on credit? And it's like, mm, hang on. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. So, uh, again, but when you're building a program from scratch, it's awesome to hear. Like, you hear those questions and, and then you can build, you try to build something that works, you know, works for the works for the customer. <clears throat> so, you, so you're coming in right at, right at, the, uh, right at the start when, like, the whole, none of it exists. Uh-huh. You're... Yeah. strategizing the whole thing how do, how do you go about deciding on say the pricing for a premium offering because you could almost put that at anything and some yeah. of these people would just just pay to go to the cricket just to sit somewhere different so how do you how do you come up with that point yeah look it's just, it doesn't matter what it is whether it's a ticket or an airfare or a tour or, or anything else you, you lose you use a bit of past data so you're like okay you know platinum seats in melbourne for day one of Boxing Day, uh, Boxing Day test. If they sell out in a minute on the first day you put them on sale, well, you probably undersold them. You know, like they were probably a bit undercooked. But if that was against England and the next is against Sri Lanka, as an example, you know, the demand, you know, the demand's gonna be different. So then you have to look at a Sri Lanka one and you go, okay, well, look, that's still sold out two months before the game. So there's probably better, and you, and you can adjust that way. And, and you can look at, you know, when gold tickets sell out, people have a choice. They can go up to platinum or they can go down to silver. And you can see through buying patterns which happens more, you know, which is what's more important. So somewhere like Perth, when cricket used to be at the Wacker, um, platinum seats are gone, right? In the shade, that's it. Like you could put them in the shade, square of the wicket with no facilities and you could sell it as a platinum ticket in Perth because, you know, it's always 45 degrees and that sun is hot and... No matter how much they talk about the breeze, it never comes. Like, 
You can't it's, do it. It's so, just too hot. <laughs> yeah, it's just too hot. So, so yeah, all those things. I mean, I remember once before the Big Bash started, I went out to uh, Sydney, what's it called? Sydney Stadium, like the one that's just hosted the Matildas, um, Stadium Australia. And yeah. I went to, I was literally just trying to see where people were sitting. Like, so there's families who sit in one area. There's the cricket tragics who still want to sit behind the bowler's arm. But 2020 is a different game. And I remember talking to this dad, or a bunch of dads, um, and I said, oh, are you guys just here together? Because, like, there's no kids around or, you know, what's going on? And they're like, no, no, the kids are all at the front um, because this is where Warner is going to hit sixes. And, they're at the, you know, they're there to catch the ball. They want to be at the front to catch the ball. So that's a, that's a completely different audience, you know. To, um, so you can build stuff just by asking, like, again, ask the right question, find out what the person wants, and provide and give them something. And if they, you know, if you can match their need with what your product is, that's a sale. That's that's how sales works. That's so interesting because I assume there'd yeah. be hundreds of reasons why people go to the cricket. Because at the very top end, you'd have some businesses who just want to flash their cash and prove to a client that they're spending big on them to entertain them. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got a dad who wants to sit where David Warner's got to hit his six, and you've got everything in between. Like, and to be at the point of the creation of all these different products would mean a such a such a cool time to be part of ticketing at cricket. Oh, it was great, and it was. It's like Indians Indian fan zone was the same. Like we met these guys who are now the Swami Army. Um, I don't even know if they still exist. Well, I think they do, but um, they they were four blokes from the top echelons of finance. Like you're talking, they worked at uh, West. Like one of them was a head of something at Westpac. The other one was at Elstrom Capital. Um, awesome guys, like so, so easy to talk to, which was exactly what you wanted. And I just said, look, you know, how do we get more Indian fans to come to the cricket? Like it doesn't matter whether India's playing or not, but let's start with India playing and then, you know, go from there. And they were so like, they just said like, you know, we all want to sit together and we want to, Indians watch cricket differently. It's noisy. It's social. It's, you know, like drums and food and the cricket's great, but like, there's so much more to it. And they're like, it's so different. Australians sit and watch cricket, like silent, you know, like not silent. Like they pat their lunchbox and, and that they're set for the day. Yeah, but that's it. Like there's no um, singing and dancing and drums and whatever, but every venue in the country had a rule that you can't bring musical instruments in. Um, <laughs> like, how does this work? Like, how do we, we have to solve that problem, you know, like, because the guy was like, trust me, if I can bring my drums in, I'll get 20,000 people. Like, don't worry about it. So the first sort of have to, you know, you have to find a way around. It was like, well, what if we accredit them as entertainers? So they don't get a ticket, they get an accreditation pass, right? And then they're like entertainers for Cricket Australia. Um, and then, then they started dropping the drums off the day before, and then they would have to go to a certain gate and go around the back and like collect the drum because you can't just let musical instruments in. I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I get it. So um, we, yeah, you just find ways around. And some of those games, I remember Stadium Australia, for example, yeah, there was 30,000 people who all bought from the same person just because they said they could bring the drums. It's, it's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. That is an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. But you've also got, like, the other, yeah, yeah. But hospitality is the same. I remember um, – when we started, when each state would do its own hospitality and Cricket Australia was like, you know, that's us. We'll just manage it from a national level. And there was a great um, 
it was a great example of like, how do you sell hospitality at the cricket? Like, what's the, what's your pitch, right? And the first one was, well, what's, ask the person, why are they coming? Why do they want to come to the cricket as a corporate? You know, and if they want to sort of host some clients, but not really, you know, um, uh, not, not spend the whole time with them. Like they, they want to, they want to give their clients a great time, but the, the idea isn't, isn't close relationship building. It's like, we'll put them in a big room where they can network and meet other people and enjoy the entertainment and other stuff. Mm. But if they want to just look after their close clients and just be with them and un understand their needs and you know, the usual, you say, put them in a suite and because a suite, you've got them in the same space for eight hours and it's great. And, um, Again, so even within every category, there are different people go for different reasons and uh, you can't keep everybody happy. That's impossible. Um, but you can try to find the bigger buckets and then hope that people, you know, move between the buckets as they need to. That's really cool. What well, one consistent theme that we've noticed amongst almost just about every job now is the uh, importance of empathy for your audience. I think Finn Bradshaw actually said it to us first yeah. in episode 50 when we said yeah. what skill is most essential for being successful in the digital space. And he said, empathy for your audience and sounds like exactly the same for ticketing. If you've got empathy for your audience, you can create a package for them. Correct. Oh, that's exactly right. It's, I know there's, there's a saying that, you know, you can have the world's best product, but if no one wants it, what's the point? Um, and I'm, I, I'm sure that happens a lot in startup world where, you know, people get convinced because they want the product. Like they thought it was a good idea and they, but that's, they're not the ones buying it. Um, so yeah, the, uh, people will tell you like people, people vote with their dollar, right? Like it's, that, that's, that's economics. It's, um, and like I said, you can see if, if a, if a t particular ticket category sells out in a minute, you, you've left money on the table and that's, it's not meant in a, you know, big greedy corporate sort of way, but if someone was happy to pay it, that's, they're getting value for it, right? That, they're finding value in it. And, um, and that's really, yeah. And I think in ticketing, it's really important because yeah, just calling a seat a bronze seat, for example, it doesn't tell me what I get. It doesn't tell me you know, what my experience is going to be like. But you know, call it Indian Fan Zone, or call it Barmy Army, or call it whatever, and I'll, I'll be there because I know what I'm going to get <clears throat> if I want it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, how how does that differ from the work you're doing today? What what does your day to day look like at the moment? What are your current goals, projects you're working on? Yeah, so I'm at uh, a company called General Travel Group at the moment who are a travel operator, but they work with sports, um, usually under licence most of the time. So they they manage the Cricket Australia Travel Office for Cricket Australia. They also manage the AFL event office for the AFL. So uh, at the moment, we've got finals for the AFL that start in, what is it, a week? A week and a half. A week. A week. <laughs> Uh, so that's good. Uh, we've just had the, the tour of New Zealand uh, was announced a couple of weeks ago. So that's been pretty busy. Uh, and obviously there was 3,000-ish people um, in the UK for the Ashes. Uh, you know, I think when Australia is winning, I noticed in the first three tests, there was a lot more crowd shots of people wearing green and gold. And then once England start, started doing better, like you didn't get as many of those. But um, all of those people are there being managed by General Travel Group, but as the Cricket Australia Travel Office. So... Uh, but projects at the moment, yeah, finals coming up for for the AFL is is a big one. It's uh, yeah, there's a, you know, tell me the fixture for the first week of the finals. No one knows. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of look. It's and it's great. Like that's that's what makes it, again. It's a bit of that cycle, right? Like this is a, a it's a busy time, um, and it's 
and they're fun projects to be to be involved with because they they're hitting the pointy end. Nice, kind of nice. You've, you've gone from essentially running the CA travel office to now essentially running it just for different different companies. It's it's a nice little fit, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm on the other side. It was I've sort of gone from. I don't know, it's like agency and client. Often you get that. Yeah. And I'm sort of I've gone from the client to the to the age to the agency side. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's great because like I've I've seen like when you see both sides, that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean something like the tour of New Zealand coming off the back of an ashes, you know, the size is really different. But it's um it's so nice to be able to say, look, you know, we've got three days between Wellington and Christchurch. What do we think people want to do? Like, what's the demographic? You yeah. know, do they want to go to a winery? Do they want to go to Queenstown and do jet boating? Like, because yeah, put the wrong tour out, and and all of a sudden there's not too many people wearing green and gold in New Zealand um, because the cricket's important, but the the tour stuff around it is is equally important. Yeah. Yeah. No, as soon as I saw that we were playing in New Zealand, I was like, wow, that's like that never really happened. So that. It's certainly in the calendar as a possibility. So I might be knocking on your door in a few weeks' time. And it's amazing. Those grounds, like something like Hagley. They're so scenic. Oh, Hagley's amazing. Like it's there's there's like about 500 seats in the grandstand, which are are for the members. Um, And everybody else is on the hill. So (laughs) I know I've heard a great story there where uh, an Australian was during an Australia-New Zealand game and – it's, 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 it's a bit, this is a bit of a cricket story. So if you're not a huge cricket fan, you might not get it, but um, it's, it's so intimate, right? And, it, you know, not everybody's in for the first ball. And I think it was Josh Hazelwood's maybe first game in New Zealand. And he's sort of got the ball and he's at the top of his mark getting ready to bowl the first ball of the series. And someone yells out, bowler's name. And like, but the whole ground can hear it, you know, like as if, he, as if this person's scoring in their little notebook and just wants to know who the bowler is and, like there's no cricket grounds in the world where you get that apart from those little those country you know venues like it's amazing and like yeah. how do you not laugh like if you're the bowler standing there at the top of your mark and you hear someone call that that's it's pretty good fun with the like understanding the tour around the actual sporting tour part how important is that for you to actually have some idea of what you can do and where you can go like how important is your own travel experience in actually doing this job for sports travel yeah it's super important and again it's it's the it's knowing the customer right like who have we got and i like when i was still at cricket cricket australia and we were doing this it was the survey at the start it was like you know hey we're going to go to we're going to the ashes if you had the choice of going to ireland for six days scotland and wales for six days paris and i don't know the bordeaux region for six days what would you rather do? And just ask people and they'll tell you. And you've got to know the the key part is, is, isn't necessarily where you're going, but it's just understanding the day, you know, like it's understanding that you can't ask people to walk on a half day hike and then put them on a bus for only 20 minutes, half an hour, and then expect them to go on a cruise and then in the afternoon and then take them out for dinner and then expect them to be at the cricket at 10 o'clock the next morning. You know, it just doesn't, um, you just, so it's knowing, sometimes it's taking stuff out, you know, it's, sometimes it is, it's taking out the, you think that'd be great, right? And I might think that'd be great. And you've just got to remember that some of these people won't think it's great and they might've been on tour. I mean, there were people who at the Ashes, for example, who did all five tests with us. So that's, um, that's a long, that's a long tour as a as a person, 
Um, and it doesn't mean you have to cater for them on the last day. You can't, you can't think of that sort of stuff, but you've got to, um, yeah, you've just got to, you've got to think everything through. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, so like for a, you know, for a tour or, you know, say for this New Zealand tour coming up, like what are the, what are the one or two key like KPIs that you need to hit for that type of project? Yeah. So there's, I suppose from, from, from the management end, there's a bit of speed, right? You've got to, you can't, you can't wait months and months after the fixture and try and sculpt like this ideal sort of um, tour because sometimes these things happen super close. Like New Zealand's pretty good, you know, it's August and this is in February, March. Like you're pretty happy with that. Um, but a, a tour in India, I mean, you know, the tickets aren't even on sale yet for the World Cup, for the, with it, for the ICC World Cup because it's a different market, you know, and it can be, it can be really challenging, um, those sort of things. So there's, it's sort of a speed versus, you know, getting it, getting the stuff we just talked about right, right. Um, and it's knowing, it's knowing, it's knowing the audience. It's knowing that there are, it's not going to be like a Kentucky tour. I don't know. It's, it sounds a crazy thing to say, but you know, there's not many people who are 18 years old who are going to go and spend I don't know, approximately $10,000 going to Lords uh, to spend seven nights in London and go to all five days of cricket. It's just, it's not that audience necessarily. There are people like that who come, right? That's for sure. Mm. So so for people, we, we get questions from people all the time saying, what should I do after I graduate? I really want to study, but I also want to get on with, with my career. What should I do? What's more important? What, what would you say to, to those people? I'm really, I'm very much a practical person. So I'm like, go and get the experience, like go and just get the foot in the door, do the project for a week, um, you know, or two weeks or whatever it is. Um, because by the time you've gone off and studied, this is going to sound terrible, but by the time you've gone off and studied and tried to almost pr prove your technical or your mechanical side of your work, other people are getting that experience in the job or in the industry or in the, well, yeah, with the business, you know, and um, it's a bit like how I managed to go from, I suppose, doing airfares to online airfares. It's like they're almost the same, but I didn't have online skills, right? Like, well, no one did back in those days, really. Like, it wasn't like a, a job that everyone was like, oh, I'm going to go become a, a programmer or, or do user experience. Like, effectively, it was user experience before that was even a term, you know, like, and, um, but if I'd gone off and tried to study user experience, like, then what? Like it might have taken me six months and the job's gone, but I'm sitting here going, why couldn't I just do that job? Like, so I, I always think it's not to say don't ever, like don't go back and study again. And, but if you're going to do it, have a purpose. But I'm thinking about even when, when you, when I hire someone, like you can get six CVs that are, are all people who are capable of doing the job, right? Like they've got the skills required to do the job. So that's great. So what sets them apart is practical experience doing it in the industry or practical experience doing something that's super similar. But really it's going to be, can they talk to me? Can they explain that? Can they convince me that they've got the, I don't know, the other side, like that, that sort of intangible side of um, the, the will to do the job or the professionalism or the attention to detail or, or whatever it is, those are... Are more important and to be able to say 
you know, I've sat and I've done a database for two weeks, so I know it's going to be hard, you know, or I, but I'll do it, right? That's so much more valuable than going off and, and coming back and saying, but I've got the certificate that says that I should be able to do it. Like it's, it's theory until you, it's theory until you do it in practice. And um, yeah, and I, I don't like, it's again, there are people who want to go and do MBAs. Great. Like I'm all for it. That's, that's a great idea. And if it works for you in your life, I'm not going to say no, but those two or three years, if you're not taking on projects at work because you've got to go home to do an MBA, what might have you, what might you have missed? I don't know. Like it's 50, 50, right? Like there's no right or wrong, but. Uh, my gut always tells me go and do it like yeah it's it's almost like you know if you're like obviously go and study but take um some projects you know like at your mm. local cricket club take registrations and take hold of their crm and look yeah. after all that because that is real life managing that that is as real as it gets yeah. and easily transferable skills so i think right there we've just heard for those listening like this is what people are looking for. They want the practical side, mm. not just the certificate. Um, so yeah, like a reminder just to go and get that hands-on stuff. No, hundred percent. I just, yeah, I think. Or, or even like one other potential question you could ask to the people that you're catching up with is what projects are sitting left untouched because you haven't got time to do them that I can take off your hands. Like I, yeah. I was fortunate that we already knew each other, but for those people who want to go out there and find them themselves, that's a potential offer that, would probably make a lot of lives easier for people up the chain. Oh, for sure. And I think that's, you know, I, I, like, yeah, I mean, I don't remember the exact details of the conversation, but I remember speaking to someone who you probably previously worked with. And I was like, my first question is, can Ruben do the job? Like, and if it's a yes, well, great. Like, I don't need to know much more than that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't need to know your qualifications or that you went to this university or that you, you know, can, can you do it? Yes, I can. Like, that's great. Like, mm. that's – and especially something like sport where time can be so limited for the person who's hiring you that, you know, that do I need to train this person to do this job? And it's not saying that people don't want to train at all, but come to me and say, yeah, no, I've done, you know, I've done CRM work before or I've built a tour before or it doesn't matter what it is, you know, or I've managed, a, I've managed an under-18s tournament in the past. Great. So I don't have to hold yeah. your hand. No, I can guide you and I can help you. And I can answer your questions and right. All that, there's going to be things that I need to teach you, but you've got the guts of this, right? Like that's, that's all, that's a lot of sports people. That's all they're going to want because it means I love that. This job. I love that as well. Like the industry is kind of built on trust, right? Like right there that you just spoke to your colleague and like, I almost think like trust beats ability or like actual skills you've got like you know rubes may well have had all the skills but the fact that that person trusted him to be able to even learn the skills to be able to do like that that's what you want and that's what we want to build in your network of people around you is if you've got 10 people there that trust that you could do a job that is just going to set opportunities a lot you know so um yeah, and I would back your rooms any day of the week to do those skills, by the yeah. way. There are a lot of moments where I was uh, I felt like a duck, calm on top of the surface, but just scrambling <laughs> underneath. That's okay, but that's everybody. Like, I guarantee if you go talk, <laughs> yeah. you talk to the CEOs of any any business, they're the same, right? They're like, people are people. And um, yeah, relationships are, relationships are as they're gold. Like, 
Yeah, I know. Like, I know. I remember one. Somebody, uh, one of the places I've worked before. Um, I don't, don't think I need to name name names, but there it was this conversation around this person who wanted to start, and a few people knew this person, right? Like they, they weren't sort of cold into the business. That people had met them, maybe through work, maybe socially. I can't remember. I can't remember. And someone sent an email out to the group and just said, "Look, I'm thinking about bringing this person on. What do you think?" And one of them wrote back, "Horse racing term, prefer others." And it's like that's it, right? It was like a two word response that killed, like killed this person's job at the place. But that's, um, but it's from a relationship perspective, right? It wasn't like the person probably could have done the job, like. But there's yeah, there's a the relationships. I'm thinking how I went from. STA travel to the VRC. I knew the people. I worked with them for two or three years on another project. They would have. I would have put them as a reference. There would have been a conversation. Like no one's. No one's thinking there wasn't a conversation. Of course there was. Like, can this guy do the job? Right. Yeah. Let's go. I love as well with your that transition between sort of all your roles haven't just been like hand the resume in. Like every single one was a relationship, a relationship, and then obviously. You had that great story about the interview, but the fact that the person was then able to say like, this role isn't for you, but I know exactly what you can do. Yeah. Like that is the dream, right? It's not, the dream is not to just hand in resumes and no. get jobs that way. Like y- you've had that perfect little alignment of meeting people to the role and it just flows on from there. Yeah. And I think it's, it doesn't matter whether it's work or friends, this is life, right? Like it's the same, it doesn't matter what sphere you're working in. You know, I've got I've got mates who I've met because someone said, "Hey, I reckon you really get on with this person." Like, great, that's that's awesome, right? Like, um, and and that's how that's how it should be. And I think if you yeah, if you can give the president of your you know, if you're volunteering at a footy club and the president knows how useful you were, like, and you put them as a reference, or you say to them, like, I'd, I'd always be the person who says. If you, if you really want to do it, just go and ask, right? Like you've got to go and ask the question and you've got to have a good relationship to do that. Like relationship, the, the better your relationship, the the easier it is to have a conversation that has meaning and depth and um, and emotion in it and empathy in it and all the other stuff that, that you need. And so to be able to walk up to that person and say, look, I really want a job in sport. Do you know anybody? Like anybody, right? Because I reckon I've smashed it for you and help me out, you know, and... I mean, it's it's Australia, right? Like everybody knows everybody somehow, somewhere. Like I'm always surprised on LinkedIn when someone puts something up from one job that I had how many years ago, and someone else puts something up who's a mate. I'm like, how did you like? Do you even know each other? Like, it's it's the way the world is, and LinkedIn makes it a bit easier. But um, yeah, I, I think well, I think Ruben, you know, we've done uh, a bit of, when I was at leading teams. Like, you know, we had. A, chat about stuff and there's that you know the relationship pyramid i don't know if you remember that it'd be in the book that i talked about at the start any given team and the more people you have really deep relationships with the the easier everything is it, it doesn't matter whether that's work life it's it yeah go and meet people and, and genuinely interact with them and uh everything gets easier 100 even when we were thinking about oh who'd be good for the pod guy oh yeah we know guy let's get him in like you know, don't have to think twice yeah, about it. It's like, all right, yeah. let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, uh, there's multiple examples of, of people who come to mind when, when you talk about that. Um, but one other thing I'd love to get your perspective on on the topic of 
things that aren't related to the job but help you get the job. On a resume, one thing that we encourage people to do is show a bit of who they are outside their work by including an interest section and dot pointing some of the things that they do outside there. I want to know from your perspective, if someone includes this interest section on their resume and they hand it to you and you see in there it's got things like, oh, I love music or I love travel. I've been to these countries, you know, I've attended these sporting events. Like what, what sort of an impact does that have on you as an employer? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't know whether it's that bit because I'm, I'm a skimmer. Like that's just because I'm fast. Like I'm a, I don't know, I've, what's the book called? Like think fast, think slow, whatever, that, whatever. So I don't even know the title, but I've read the book, right? Um, Thinking fast and slow. So that just shows you that. Yeah, that's it. It's, a, that's, it's that one. Um, so I'm a skimmer, but give me a CV that looks different. And that's gold, right? That's like, oh, they've put effort into the font or the layout or the, because it's a part of it. It's like personality on a page, you know. Um, there's nothing worse than the, you know, Times New Roman 12 font. Everything's one line. Like, and it's got, you know. Uh, can't deal. Well, you, know, you know the one I mean? Like it's because there's a hundred of them. So like your eyes just, my eyes just can't do it. Like. I can't sit for an hour and look at the same page. And in and, and it's a psychological thing, but it is. It's that it's the same page. And it's it doesn't matter how well written it is, and it doesn't matter how great that experience is. I don't need a photo necessarily, like whatever, but just give me something that says this is me. And it's probably the first interview question as well. It's not why'd you go for this job or you know what brought you here or whatever. It's like, you know. If I asked your friends to describe you, how would they describe you? And like I said, I think we talked about it before, but that idea of the six or seven people that you're interviewing, you know they can do the job. Like the, the doing of the job is is not what you're worried about. It is, it's not can I sit next to this person for eight hours a day because there's diversity and inclusion. And I said it the same with my uh, person that I'd like to meet for half an hour. So everyone's up for being challenged and everyone wants to bring new ideas in. But there is that element of, yeah, what do you do? Like, you know, what are your interests? And it, sometimes it's not even writing them is great, but depends on where you put them in the CV and what number you are to be read. You know, like if you're number 50 and it's down the bottom, I, I, I can't promise you that everyone's reading that, like, because they're probably not. So, but I, yeah, so I'm go the other way. I'm like, give me color, give me, you know, your name in one font. And I remember there was one that came in when I was a cricket. It was like um, the old-fashioned Bibles or the old-fashioned books where the first letter was massive. Like the first letter was like half the page in this red scrolling font. And I'm like, look, I don't know whether I'm going to hire this person, but I'm going to read the CV because, like, that's so cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> they've done something. It's a bold strategy. Yeah. I'm like, hey, look, they didn't get the job. I remember that. I remember thinking that's awesome, but, like, you read the CV and it, that wasn't, it wasn't for them. But... Just that idea of like, give me something different. Give me, I know for hospitality, when we started hiring the hospitality team at Cricket, it was via video. So it was like, you couldn't send a CV. We asked for a video because they're meant to be salespeople, right? They're meant to be, show us your energetic, show us you can talk to people, show us. And some of them were literally just like, I don't know, my background's probably a bit boring, but um, that they were just plain, you know, like it was just high, my name's Guy. I really love this job. That'd be great, you know. And the others were like, um, like tours of the city. It's like, hey, I'm in Perth, and like, I love Perth, and nice. you know, this is like, this is where the wacker sits here, and 
Like imagine if you were, like, it was so good and you're just like, great. Like now it like it makes your job so much easier. If you just give me one idea, which uh, anyone listening, feel free to, to take this. But what, what if someone sent in a resume that was just literally a QR code that said, scan this? Sure. And you're immediately going, oh my God, this, this is different to everything else, but I'll, I'll scan it, sure. And then pops up a 60 second TikTok of your entire resume where someone's talking face to camera about this is what I've done, this is who I am, this is what I'm interested in. Please, someone hire me. Is that the sort of stuff that you'd be like, love yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 100%. Well, I've got to watch it, right? Whether, again, whether they get the job because they've got the skills or not, or whatever, but I'd watch it. And I don't know, attention is, well, having, having capturing attention is, is a huge chunk of, of, of finding a job. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Whether again, whether that works or not, I guess it depends on the job. But like, and the person who's hiring, like, there are plenty of really boring people who need to hire people. So I don't know. <laughs> well, someone out there, give it a go and let us know if it works. Yeah, but I remember that big. I remember this. Oh, it looked like the Bible. I don't know. Like, I can't think of another way to describe it. It was this massive scrolly letter, and it was um, it was awesome. And it was like, yeah, the CV was no good, but like, but I read it. <laughs> and that's a, that's half the battle. Nice. Um, finally, guys, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, what, what's some final piece of advice that you you'd give to grads coming through, uh, wanting that career in sport? Yeah, I think I think almost what we've just talked about is is it. Like remembering, I don't know how many people are in some of the courses that are coming out, hundreds, you know. So you've all come out with the same skill. So really, what's going to differentiate you is your, the relationships that you've got. Who do you know? How are they going to help you? Um, do you have do you have a good relationship with them that, that you can ask them for the help? Um, and I think knowing who you are and how you want to be and being able to express that in a way uh, that's super clear. So you know, if you if you want to pride yourself on being enthusiastic, like every interaction needs to be that. You know, you you can't you can't be the person who says you should hire me because go the other way. You can't hire me because I'm enthusiastic. Like that's not working for anybody, right? Like show me, like be there at the interview early and like walk through the door with confidence and say like, you know, because at some stage you're going to get the question, why do I hire you over everybody else? Like it's a pretty, it's it's annoying that that's an inevitable question, but it, it still comes. And, um, and that's what they're trying to do. They've got four other people who can do exactly the same job like they can. So you've got to, yeah, I think relationships is one side, knowing who you are and how you're going to express that and making sure that every interaction is that, whether it's your CV, your interview, your first day on the job, all the way through to your last day on the job. You know, if you tell people you're enthusiastic, you've got to do it all the way through because um, at your next job, who knows, you need a reference and, you know, a guy says he's enthusiastic and they go, I don't remember that at the end. Like, so... Um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that that'd be my advice is yeah, meet people, get to know them properly, make sure you help them build a relationship with them, but know who you are and how you're going to express who you are because the skill side, anyone can have, anyone can have the skills really. It's the difference is going to be how you engage with people and how they feel when, when you leave the room. Amazing. Well, Guy, we might leave it there. It's been uh, it's been awesome hearing about your journey from the mighty SCA travel. I'll never forget them uh, all the way to now. And you know, just hearing about these stories through through travel, I think that you know that's been the consistent theme in, in, in your career so far. And 
it sounds like you just you love what you do and you, you enjoy it and that, that absolutely comes out when you talk about it so really appreciate you coming in and, and chatting to us and, and just sharing some of that wisdom um, and some of those things that people can be doing out there because there's been some really good lessons tonight awesome. um, and I might uh, I'm not lying about that knocking your door down right. for tickets to uh, New Zealand Test we might might be in touch very soon sounds good uh, they might be on the card so thanks again Guys, it's time now for the People's Segment, Ask Sports Grad, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you like to ask a question first, become a Sports Grad member at sportsgrad.com.au slash community, and then you can add your questions to the channel named Ask Sports Grad. Now, Rubes, this one comes from Melissa. She says, I consider myself a fairly organized person, but I'm struggling to lock down a weekly routine that helps me get set and clear for the week. Do you have any tips? Great question. Mm, great question. And uh, a very important topic as well because a lot of people wonder why they're not consistent with their goals, why they're not making progress. And so being organized and setting yourself out for the week and knowing what you're going to do each day before that day arrives uh, just allows you to hit that day with absolute confidence and with speed and to make sure you know you're working on the right things which moves you in the right direction. So here's how I conduct my weekly check-in each week that helps me start the week with uh, a lot of clarity. So first point is get ahead. So I set aside one hour on a Sunday afternoon so that I'm ready to wake up and and smash Monday and that kind of sets the tone for the week. So start this weekly routine on a Sunday afternoon, find a time that works for you. Second thing is have a look at What's coming up? So first I'll check my calendar for the next two weeks and I'll note down any meetings, any events that I need to prepare for and uh, that becomes part of my to-do list. The next thing I look at is what will get me closer to my goals. So then I note the content that I need to create, the meetings that I need to have and the other things that I need to build, whether it be website updates or other things that will help me get one step closer to my goals. And for me personally, a lot of my goals are around you know, content and membership and, and growing sports grads. So these are the things that are relevant to me. And um, it's these specific tasks that I typically prioritize for uh, as a period of deep work that happens in the morning. Number four is I then have a look at what is on the horizon. So then I note down the future things that I need to address well in advance so that I don't arrive at certain dates and think, I need to get organized for this quickly so I'm not scrambling. So this could be things like travel movements. You know, for example, at the moment I'm I'm working and traveling. I'm in Tossa de Mar in in Spain at the moment. I need to know where I'm going in the next month or two after that so that I know that my setup is going to be okay so that I can record podcasts like this without any hassle. So making sure I'm on top of that and my environment is set well in advance is uh, crucial to that. Uh, on top of that, other events and, and meetings in certain locations are important to that too. So, for example, I'm heading back to London in um, in uh, just over a month. I'm already starting to line up meetings during the week that I'm going to be in London and starting to think about how can I use my time there most effectively. So that's what's on the horizon. Number five is distractions to remove. So there's always going to be nitty-gritty things that are kind of just like living in your head that you need to get down. So I like to jot down what are those distractions that I need to remove and um, 
and then go forth and uh, tick them off so I can clear my mental inbox a bit. Then uh, number six is when am I running? So this is my form of exercise that I enjoy. And um, I like to note down what days am I going to run, how far am I going to run, or how long am I going to run for in terms of time. And then I schedule that into my calendar for the week so that I make sure I don't neglect it. And this is a really important thing for me because doing the exercise gives me the energy to do all the other work. It, you know, I, I can't be my best at work unless I'm staying healthy and exercising. So making sure I schedule this into my week is um, uh, crucial as well. Then at the end of all that, I've got a whole list of to-dos and action items. I then allocate a time in my schedule to complete these. So now I know when they're happening, what day they're going to happen. And um, that means that I can wake up on a Monday, wake up on a Tuesday and know, all right, this is my to-do list for today. And it's all set out on a Sunday. I don't have to wake up and think, gosh, what, what, what do I focus on next? Because there's always so many different things to do allowing myself to get clear on what I need to do on a Sunday means the rest of the week is a lot easier for me. So if you can do the work in advance to get organized, the rest of the week becomes a whole lot easier. But uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it. That's how I do mine. Yeah, I love it. One thing I've started doing is essentially looking at my calendar and look at any meetings or tasks I have to do. And just to get like super sharp, I wanted to do is just write like literally just a one-liner around like, either what I want to get out of it or, you know, what's the number one thing I need to focus on, something like that. So it's just like, so it's like a little cheat sheet that it gets your mind ticking over. Um, I know that kind of helps me a little bit, but yeah, I love that, Rose. It's awesome. The hour on the Sunday is good as well. It just, I reckon it, it also, it reduces your, you know, probably not anxiety, but just kind of like, you know, everyone gets the Sunday blues and you're like, ah. Oh, I'd love to just sit on the beach tomorrow, but I got to go to work. The the hour on the sun it just gets you like okay with what's happening. And I find like the more you know what's coming, you're prepared. The less that uh that that Sunday blues hits you. So, um, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I really notice that when I miss that Sunday weekly check in, I, that that Sunday blues carries on to the rest of the week. So I feel like I'm playing catch up now. Mm. Yeah. No, 100%, 100%. You just feel that much better the next day. So um, awesome. Thanks for the question, Melissa. Uh, if you'd like to ask us a question or ask our friends in sport a question, sign up and become a member. Each fortnight, we've got virtual events, we've got speed networking, we've got job fairs. And of course, as we mentioned, we've got our meetups coming up and you can find them for the rest of 2023 and also 2024 uh, via our website. So have a look at that. When you become a member as well, you get access to those virtual events, you get recorded sessions and exclusive content, uh, as well as a Discord with over 650 other sport professionals inside. So join today and get involved. In the meantime, you can find us on LinkedIn and give us some love with a rating. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.